Hi, Josh, and welcome to Notes from the Underground. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. Josh, when you found out that we have a radio show here at CFUV, where we talk to people who are not necessarily musicians themselves, but who find music to be an important part of their lives, you told me that you would like to tell your story. I know that we will talk about music, but we will also be talking about your journey through a difficult time and how you've come away from a very dark place to where you are now. Where was that dark place? To start out, exactly one month before my 15th birthday, on July 29th of the year 2000, I woke up with a killer headache and I went into my parents' bedroom and I told them that I had a headache and, and then I just collapsed. They actually called the ambulance. The ambulance came and took me to my local hospital who misdiagnosed me actually for eight hours even though I came in with all the signs of a brain injury. They ended up having to put restraints on my arms and my legs because I was hitting my head so hard because the pain was so bad. In the end, they took a CAT scan eight hours later. It showed that a blood vessel had ruptured my brain. So they sent me down to Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. Actually, on the way down to Sick Kids Hospital, I died once. They lost all vitals and I had to be revived. And then again at Sick Kids on the operating table, I died a second time and had to be revived a second time. And they actually had my parents waiting outside the operating room doors with these white suits on, saying, we're sorry, we're sorry, we've done everything we can, but he's not going to make it and get ready to say our final goodbyes. And somehow, by some stroke of a miracle, I pulled through, and then all the fun stuff started. Uh, my recovery. Before my recovery, though, I spent two weeks on life support and about a month and a half in a coma and then when I woke up from the coma I had to relearn to do everything again walk, talk, eat, breathe, roll over in bed, everything. Honestly it was a surreal feeling. I was convinced for the first probably six months after waking up from the coma that everything was all a terrible nightmare that I could not wake up from. Yeah and, and then going forward Music, it had always been a, a very important part of my life. But since, since my, my stroke and my brain aneurysm, it has become basically the driving force for everything. Before your brain injury, how important was music in your life? Music was very important. Um, I, I was a skateboarder and I used to play all the sports. I used to be really good at pretty much all the sports. Especially when I would skateboard, I can remember going out, bringing a boombox outside, and just skateboarding for hours and hours and hours until I got one trick. Believe it or not, that's actually what I feel that allowed me to get to where I am today, is um, was my skateboarding spirit and my athletic mentality, because I was so used to, to failing, and then up and trying again, and then failing, and then up and trying again, failing, and so on. Was that, was that a good spirit, that... that trying and failing and then getting somewhere? I, I believe it was, yes. It's like a absolutely. positive thing. Yes, absolutely. Because, again, you, you can't succeed until you first fail. Again, when I was learning to walk and stuff, because I, like I said, I had to learn to do everything again. When I was learning to walk, I can still remember times when I would walk to my walker and take my walker around and then just fall. And instead of getting angry or, or giving up, whatever, I, I would just get right back up and try it again. 
now I'm I'm walking. I'm walking up to seven, eight, nine kilometers a day. My life is completely different than what anybody would have thought. From having met you, it's more than walking. You've told me things like boot camp and other things like that. You tell me a little bit more that goes beyond walking. Yes. Well, I decided a long time ago that this was before I learned to walk again. I decided a long time ago that if I were to ever walk again, I would never take walking for granted ever again. So I, I continue to walk every single day. But more than that, I go to boot camp twice a week. I have plans to go skydiving. I went for a, a bungee jump. That was maybe a few weeks ago. I go camping a lot. It's just, yeah, it's, I, I, I'm really, really, really loving life right now. That's a difference between you and me, skydiving, bungee jumping. I walk a lot, but I don't do that. So. I, I mean, uh, yeah, um, most people think I'm crazy. But, I mean, there's no better way to get over a fear of heights than to jump out of a plane or jump from a 150-foot bridge. That's kind of an understatement. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. You mentioned that you were in a coma for a month and a half? Yes. Do you have any recollections of when you came out of the coma or in the coma, I don't know anything about comas, of music? Yes. Well, technically no, but I do remember bits and pieces of being in the coma, which was terrifying. I do remember my mother. Somehow I knew that she was holding my hand and she would sing to me for, for hours and hours and hours. It would calm me down and just make me forget about what was going on and what was happening to me and why I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk, I couldn't open my eyes, I couldn't squeeze her hand. I just wanted to show her so badly that I could hear her, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't do anything. It was a very hopeless and, and um, distressing feeling. So you could feel this frustration? Yes. Did you connect more with music as you were healing, let's say? Yes, yes, absolutely. I woke up from the coma. My little sister, she used to come in for the day and see me and spend the day with me and stuff. Whenever she would leave at night, she would put my headphones on. First of all, she would ask me if I wanted music. She would put my headphones on, turn the music on, and then go home and come back the next day and take my headphones out because I couldn't move. The only way I could communicate was with my eyes. One day after doing that and her coming back in, she noticed that my eyes were really, really, really wide open, and it was pretty abnormal. And I kept following her, like tracking her all over the room. She came up to me and said, Joshi, what's wrong? And I, I kind of did like this, this eye shuffle, like this shifty eye thing. And she, she took the headphone out of my ear and put it in her ear, and it was just beeping. And then she asked me, Joshi, has you been doing this all night? This is like a car alarm in yeah. your head, I'm yeah. assuming, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. You nailed it. And so, so those eye movements were not delight. No. It was like, get this thing off of me. Yeah, right? okay. pretty much. My little sister has not forgotten that, and she still, she still feels horrible about it today. It's pretty funny, but yeah. You know, you would just probably be assuming that, oh, Josh is enjoying the music, mm -hmm. and, and uh, he's really stoked. Yeah. Just the opposite. Yeah, exactly. But you could communicate. I, yes, yes. I actually remember times when I used to get my little sister to flip my pillow and stuff like that just by doing that. By turning your head. Yeah. She would come and she would have to flip my pillow. 
because I, I was always on my, on my back and on my head. And then one time she caught me in the corner of her eye flipping my pillow by myself. And that was the last time that she ever flipped my pillow for me. <laughs> I want you to describe the comfort you felt listening to music when you're in the hospital. And was it more than comfort? Yes. I believe that it was much more than comfort. It became the ultimate motivator for anything that I needed or wanted to do. And in addition to that, it would also bring me back to, well, depending on what kind of music I listened to, it would bring me back to being outside and skateboarding and trying those tricks a hundred times and then just landing them and rolling away and feeling that, just getting that feeling that, you know, I, I, I just did that. You know, that's great. And uh, yeah, and then I had to learn to walk again and do everything again. I do remember my my first steps, which were at Thanksgiving. It was my first time home from the rehab center. My parents had to get a hospital bed. They had to put it in their dining room because all the bedrooms were upstairs and I couldn't do stairs. And they also had to get a, a feeding pole so that I could be hooked up to and I could be fed through my the, the tube in my stomach. That weekend, we went to my grandparents' house. I remember sitting there and just listening to music, just talking with people. And then I turned to my mom and I was like, Mom, I'm going to walk today. She says, okay, Joshua. Sure enough, later that day, I stand up. I take one step, two steps. Everybody's eyes are on me. I think I took seven steps, and then I think it went... And then the next time, I took 11 steps. So that was the beginning of walking again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was a very special moment. No kidding. Did you grow up in a musical family, or do you play an instrument? I did play multiple instruments. I used to play trumpet back in uh, elementary school and the beginning of high school before I had my stroke. I used to also play a bit of guitar. And I used to play drums. I used to be pretty good at drums. I remember one year, my second oldest brother, he had a, an electric guitar. And my parents actually bought us a set of drums. So every day after school, I would rush home from school. Jake, my older brother, he would come home from school and we'd jam out for hours. Him on the guitar, me on the drums, just jamming out. It meant so much to me. It means even more to me now. Do you play an instrument now? Can you play an instrument? No. Um, unfortunately, my, my, my entire right side is severely affected. I walk with a cane. I have a killer limp. My right hand is... I still have a bit of use out of it, but mostly it's just for show. Have you heard of the Vancouver Adapted Music Society? No, I have not. On this show, we talked to someone from that society, and they're a society that create instruments for people with handicaps, physical... If you're interested in Vancouver Adapted Music Society and how they can set you up, go online to vams.org. Josh, what kind of music do you like? Ooh, I would... I have a very eclectic sense or taste of music. I like everything from The Stones, Johnny Cash, all the way to Kanye West all the way to no effects and rancid. I, I love pretty much all kinds of music, except country. Oh, too bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I often hear that. Um, I'm going to work on you on that one. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Okay, good luck. Right. 
You've given me a list of songs that you would like to hear played on this show. Go down your list and please tell us what these songs mean to you. Yes, for sure. The first is Let It Be by the Beatles, because my father once told me, and I've lived my life by this, that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, bad stuff is going to happen to you no matter what. The only thing that matters is how you respond, how you choose to respond. I'm choosing to let what happened to me make me a better person. Let It Be, that's a song about just going with the flow. It's a super powerful song. I, I, I love it. Mm-hmm, so do I. And then the second, this is actually Don't Stop Believing by Journey. I love it just because that's basically been my entire life up until now. I, I never lost hope, I never lost sight, and I never stopped believing. And that's why I'm out here today, and I'm on this beautiful island, you know. Another one is You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. Unfortunately, I, I think I had to learn this the hard way. Nevertheless, I learned this lesson. In my eyes, it's, it's a song and a lesson about things not always going your way. So you kind of have to learn to, to deal with them and adapt and change your, your perception. The last one is Forever Young. I thought I'd throw a curveball in there. It's not country, is it? No. Okay. No. This is a hip-hop song. It's, it's by Jay-Z. And I love it because, as we have discussed numerous times, Chris, I want to be forever young. And I'm trying to be forever young. I'm 37 years old, and I'm doing all the things that I probably should have done in my 20s, but I was not able or willing to do. I can tell the people listening that I was shocked when Josh told me he was 37, because I honestly thought he was in his 20s with all that energy and uh, spirit. So, I mean, 37 is still young. Thank but, you. But, but you fooled me. <laughs> well, thank you for that. It's, it's my skincare routine. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM or CFUV.ca if you're listening online. This is Notes from the Underground. Josh, what was it like after the rehab part of your brain injury? After the rehab, I, I, I spent about a month and a half in SickKids Hospital, and then I went to the rehab center for, I believe it was nine or ten months. When I was released from the rehab center, after learning to walk, talk, eat, breathe, roll over in bed, do everything all over again, I walked out of there, but the doctors, they actually told my parents that they didn't think that I would ever be able to retain any new information or learn anything new. They also didn't think that I would ever be able to live independently. I'm very pleased to say that I have a pretty successful career as a graphic designer, which is mostly self-taught. I actually moved out to Victoria about a year and a half ago from downtown Toronto. On my own, I didn't really know anybody out here. I just came out here just to make a life for myself, and I'm, I'm doing just that. So you did a complete fresh start. Yes, exactly. Nice. Complete fresh start. Nice. Uh, Josh, did um, do you harbor any bitterness towards any of the doctors that told you you wouldn't make it and you wouldn't have a normal life? No, not at all. Um, I, I think that I... I don't... Har- okay, no, not at all. On the contrary, actually, I think that 
their words and their thoughts towards my rehabilitation and my prognosis actually pushed me to, to get better and better and better and to do all this stuff and move out here and just prove them wrong. And I'm, I've done that and I'm still doing that and that's kind of what I live for now, <laughs> proving people wrong. Yeah, but you do that in a very positive way. You must keep it inside because I don't see it on the outside. It's been challenging at times. How so? Well, simple things that people don't think about, like opening jars. It's pretty difficult with only one useful hand. I've found that to be kind of difficult. Granted, I've become a very adaptable person, so I've, I've found ways around that. Probably the most difficult part was just dealing with the loneliness at the beginning and the fact that, you know, I'm 4,000 kilometers away from anybody that I know. It was a bit scary and a bit overwhelming, but I managed to settle in nicely. I've made a great group of friends. Like I said, we go camping. We, we do all the cool stuff that any young 20-year-old would do. 20-year-old, <laughs> I like that. But when you moved here, uh, you said the loneliness and stuff, but was there also that sense of excitement starting in a new place, starting out a new life? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I would go for walks every single day as soon as I finished work at 2.30 because I work on Eastern time still. So as soon as I finished work at 2.30, I would go out for a walk and just go exploring, I would call it, and just, just walking around different areas and getting to know my way around. I actually, I, I've gotten to know my way around pretty well now, which is great. Yeah, Victoria is not so bad for that. No, it's yeah. it's definitely a, wa- a very walkable and f- walking-friendly city. And are you getting around by any other means? Yes, I I bought an electric-assisted tricycle last year, and it has changed my life in ways I could never have imagined. It's given me the independence to go, you know, grocery shopping. I went grocery shopping the other day, spent, you know, 90 bucks, and got a, I was able to bring everything home in my trike. It's pretty incredible. Uh, whenever I go out for a walk, whenever I go out on my bike, whenever I leave my house, my headphones are always in and I'm always listening to music. And it's such a wide variety of music, it would probably make most other people scratch their heads and say, what's wrong with this guy? Is this guy for real? You should have a radio show. <laughs> called, is this guy for real? <laughs> no, that's what we call the show? Yeah. That would work at CFUV. That's kind of title that would work pretty good. <laughs> I like it. Okay, you're talking about radio. Have you ever thought of podcasts or anything where you can actually talk about what you're talking about right now to on your own show? Yes, that's something that is very close in my mind right now. I'm actually planning on starting a podcast. I'm thinking about calling it Aspiring to Inspire. It would essentially be people with inspirational stories coming on and talking to me and just telling their stories and trying to inspire people. So it'll be people with similar experiences as you or people with um, disabilities? No, no. N- not just disabilities. Um, I was listening to a podcast recently and there was a guy who made it from Africa. Him and some friends escaped from Africa. They got on a boat, they hit on a boat, they went to Europe, which was, I believe, 14 days without food, water, light, anything. A bunch of them died, but this guy, he made it. Turns out that this guy is now the heavyweight champion of the UFC. 
this kind of story is is like your music idea, very eclectic. Exactly. It's not not just one genre of topics. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I wish you good luck on that. Thank you very much, Chris. Josh, is this anything you would consider doing on this radio station? Yes, as a matter of fact, I would. We'll see what happens in the futures, and we'll keep our ears to the track. Perfect. My fingers are crossed. We've listened now to your journey, how you've overcome some very difficult situations, and you have a very positive outlook on life, despite having uh, had a hard time in the middle there. So I wish you the best of luck in the future ahead, and I really appreciate you dropping in today as being our guest on Notes from the Underground. Thank you so much, Chris. It was a pleasure. Good, and we'll see you out there on your tricycle. Yes. With your earbuds on. Ride safely.